So I'm really thankful to be here today with you all. It's a blessing to be here in Southern California, Mission Viejo. Uh, I drove down from Montana uh, two days ago and had a beautiful drive and stayed in Oceanside with a friend there. And I'm uh, very excited to get to share here. I was here last year when you had your missions fair. And I got to have my booth out there uh, presenting the Orphan's Lifeline Ministry. And so I'm really thankful that Jason's vacation and my time in Southern California coordinated. And uh, we could be rid of him today. No, I, and, uh, I got, and I get to speak. And so I'm really thankful that uh, for the leaders for allowing me the opportunity to share here uh, with the church family today. I got to do the class and share about the ministry a bit, and I'll put a little bit into my sermon this morning, a little blurb for those of you that weren't here for class, uh, but uh, this morning, I want us to be thinking about what does the Lord require of us? Now, you know the answer to that because you know Micah 6.8, and I'm going to show that in a minute, uh, but what does the Lord require of us? We often think of uh, the easy checklist of things, some things, well, what does God want me to do? And so I'm going to be gone for three weeks or so from home in Montana, and my wife is back there toiling away, and she's going to discover something that the guy who does the heavy lifting here needs to do, right? And so she's going to write it down, and I'm going to get home with a checklist of things to do, and I will work through those and be glad to get them done uh, because, uh, well, that's what she wants me to do, and I'm going to do those. And so, and, and we kind of live our lives sometimes thinking, what is it I'm supposed to do? And so, I, you know, it's a challenge for us. What, what is it that we're supposed to do? Well, we're here today, aren't we? We're here uh, worshiping God together. Well, check that off, right? I made it to church on Sunday. Check it off. We sang songs and worshiped God. Check it off. Um, if you come Wednesday night, it's like you get an extra star in your crown or something, right? And so, uh, you know, sometimes we're able to make it to midweek Bible study. Uh, sometimes people aren't. You know, we, we think of things about, well, we've got to do this just right. But God's always calling us back to reflect his heart. He, he wants us to reflect his character in living, and so this was always the problem with the Israelites uh, and, and their, them wanting to, to uh, do the right thing and not necessarily have a heart for God. In Exodus, we go all the way back to Moses leading the Israelites out of captivity. And you've probably heard about Moses finally saying, God, I need to know you. I, show me your glory. Show me who you are. And God said, well, I'm not going to show you face to face. However, you know, I'm going to come by and... Uh, and what does God say on his way, way by? The Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving and kindness and truth to generations of those who love him. Who is God? Well, this is who God is. That's his character. That's, that's the God of this universe. That's the God that we serve. In Micah 6 and 8, we find in all the prophets and the minor prophets, God's displeasure with the Israelites because they were failing to really love him. They were doing things. They were offering sacrifices. Well, weren't they supposed to offer sacrifices? We all nod our head yes. They were supposed to do that. But they were failing to reflect God's 
character in their lives. What does the Lord require of you? Thousands of sacrifices? No, I want you to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly. How can that be? But I'm supposed to, yeah, we're supposed to do the right things that God's shown us with the right heart, developing the character and heart of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Galatians 5, we get into the New Testament, and there's probably, I don't think there's a better description of the character of God. He lists the deeds of the flesh. They're evident, aren't they? They're all around us. And he says, but the uh, the fruit of the Spirit, the deeds of God that should be growing in our lives, the things that God wants us to express and show in our daily living, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. There's no law against these things. These are the things that God wants us to be uh, growing, have growing in our lives and welling up and overflowing and showing it to people around us. Showing it to my wife. Ooh. Showing it to your husband. Showing it to your children. Showing it to your neighbor. Showing it to the guy who cuts you off on the freeway. Showing the goodness of God in our lives. The peace and joy of God should be welling up in us because we have the hope of eternal salvation with our Creator. And so these are the things that are important to God. Does God want us to do certain things? Well, of course He does. But He's calling for our heart. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love kindness, walk humbly? This is a challenge for us, and it's God's constant challenge. It's been his challenge from the beginning of time to really reflect his character and his heart. And so we find in Isaiah, uh, right in the first chapter, two references to God's rebuke of the Israelite leaders for failing, the Israelite leaders and people for failing to care for the most vulnerable around them. They're not caring for the widows and orphans. Seek justice, reprove ruthless, uh, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. And so we see that two times in Isaiah 1, and again in Isaiah 10. Woe to those who deprive the needy of justice and rob the poor of my people of their rights in order that widows may be their spoil and that they may plunder orphans. And we all go, no one would do that. And yet it's going on in the world around us. In reality, it really is. And we're not doing it in our lives. I know that. That's not your goal. It's not what you're doing. But it's happening. And our leaders are, are, are allowing it to happen. And in some countries, the leaders are, are, are that's, that's all they're about, is taking advantage of poor people, the vulnerable, using them. Uh, and as we are reminded, uh, with the uh, human trafficking and kidnapping and the, the, uh, the dark underbelly of this world. It's going on. And God's calling us to something different. There's things that we can do, and one of the things that we're doing with Orphan's Lifeline is rescuing some of these orphan children. This little boy was set aside to die. 
uh, he was rescued. He's uh, grown up, and he's a young man, uh, uh, engineering uh, engineer in Oklahoma currently. But these are conditions that the leaders of Orphans Lifeline saw in the late 90s that caused them uh, in Siberia, eastern Russia, that they needed to do something to help these children. And so what developed was this Orphans Lifeline ministry. And Widna Dine is the middle of those five girls that my wife and I have sponsored the last nine years. And to see these children developing and growing instead of uh, being taken advantage of in their culture and, and the smiles on their face now because they're being loved, fed, cared for, and learning about the Lord is a joy. That's Widna Dine. We've sponsored her for the last almost nine years, and I've, I've got like 16 pictures of her now every six months. And I told the class this morning, Eight years ago, I really didn't care if I had a picture of Widnadine, but after 16 pictures, I want the next one, right? You know, and so it, it's something that's developed in my heart uh, to have a real uh, uh, love for her. But this is where we are now, 21 homes in eight countries, a subsidy to Eastern Russia, where they started. And so we continue to have that as part of our program, but caring for around 1,000 people now is just a wonderful gift from God, and it's because of uh, Christians here in America that are making this possible. And so I'm, I'm uh, just joyous for me to be able to go around and tell churches about it. And I go all over the country to tell this story. We're caring for their everyday needs. We're getting them a private education, around $40 a month on average, and showing them God's love and seeing them become Christians. Seeing them fed, uh, seeing them in educational programs, seeing them graduate from college programs. We have a lot of kids that have graduated from college programs and are being a blessing in their cultures now as Christians. Uh, seeing them developing in, as Christians, getting their Bibles, being in their Bibles an hour and a half plus a day, and seeing them being baptized all around the world into our Lord Jesus Christ. Widnadine, our, the girl we sponsor, was baptized last spring. She's 13 years old. And so uh, she's there in Haiti. That's Faton baptizing some of the kids uh, there in Haiti. And in Liberia and around the world, we're transforming lives. Thank the Lord. And that's the Hope Family Home in Haiti, uh, you know, different years there. And uh, ways that we can help, you know, we can all help in some way. If God's touching your heart to do something, I told the class and I tell people all around the country, there's a hundred plus great ministries in our brotherhood. This is just one more that's doing a great thing. And if God's touching your heart to help this ministry, well, the opportunity is here. And so uh, we do uh, sponsor the children uh, at $100 a month. It's the total of those numbers. And so we have an Orphan Sunday that uh, we just had, and we collected about 345000 from that. There's about 300 churches that are working with us so far in this ministry. We've been really blessed by God. It's amazing. I tell people, I love, I love going to Texas or uh, you know, Tennessee to the Bible Belt and saying, this started in a little corner of Montana. This should not be happening. You know, this should have started in the Bible Belt. But no, God chose the least of places. And he said, oh, you want to do that? Okay, let's go. And uh, last year, we, we had $2.3 million come in. 
uh, through Kalispell, Montana, all around the world to care for these children. And uh, it's just phenomenal. It's God's ministry, or this would not be happening. And so I'm just really thrilled to be able to share it with you. We're created to do good works. And that's what the young man read for us this morning in Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. We're saved by grace. We're saved by God's favor through faith. And it's the gift of God, isn't it? It's not because of anything we've done, because we're flawed. We're sinful. And we don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve uh, a fellowship with our Creator. We don't. But by His favor, by His grace and love, He sent Himself his son, Jesus Christ, to come and pay the penalty for our sin. He said, we've been saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, uh, but we are created as his, to be his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And so that's what we should be about, doing good works, good things. If we go back to the beginning and think of Adam and Eve, uh, it's really a pleasant place that they lived there in the garden. The Garden of Eden sounds like, well, paradise, doesn't it? It sounds like uh, where everyone would want to be. It sounds like they were just laying out there on the beach, sunning themselves all day long. And when, that, when they were done with that, they went and got under a shade tree and had some fruit, you know, uh, uh, a, little, a, a little shake or something. And they were just enjoying life. But literally, God says, the only thing that he says they were doing was they were there to tend to the garden. They weren't there to sun on the beach, and they weren't there to, to sit back, uh, you know, the, the latest shake. They were there to tend the garden. They had a job. They had something to do. They were created to do good works. I believe that God's put it in our heart and our being that we need to work, that we need to do things, that we need to serve in some capacity with our lives. Young people who are in here, you have a role in your life uh, to serve in some capacity. You might be a nurse, you might be a doctor, you might be a truck driver, but you're going to serve in some capacity uh, because you need to. You need to care for yourself, you need to care for your family, and you need to care for those around you. And that's what God's calling on all of us to do. And so there is something for you to do. You just have to discover what that is. And that can be challenging sometimes. But God has a role for us. In Ephesians 4 and 28, he, he, Paul was writing to some people he knew. And he said, Brother Glenn. Where's Glenn? There he is. He said, quit stealing. Now, I, I'm sure Glenn never stole in his life, you know except when he was five and he took a penny from somebody, you know. He was writing to people he knew. He said, now you guys used to steal. I know that. that. That was your former manner of life, okay? Quit stealing. Labor with your hands. Why? Why? So you'll have something to share with the needy. Oh, Christians have something to do. They, they need to work so that they have something to share with those in need. I love verses like this that I've discovered kind of later in my life, really, the, the real impact of them. Uh, you young people are getting blessed here today. You're getting something I didn't get when I was your age, or at least into my brain. Uh, you need to work so that you can give to the needy. Isn't that interesting? 1 Thessalonians 4, I love the way that it's translated in the Amplified Version. 
and to make it your ambition to live quietly and peacefully and to mind your own business. Mind your own business. No, mind your own affairs, right? And work with your hands just as we directed you so that you'll behave properly toward outsiders, exhibiting good character, personal integrity, and moral courage worthy of the respect of the outside world and be dependent on no one and in need of nothing be self-supporting. He's talking to Christian people. Wow, it sounds like, uh, sounds like something that you could almost, uh, uh, it sounds like some philosopher wrote this, doesn't it? It's like good character, integrity, moral courage. Wow, that's God talking to us, and he's talking to Christians. We should be living that kind of life. We should be self-supporting. Why? So we can help somebody else. Oh, I don't, want, I don't want to do anything. I just want everybody to wait on me hand and foot. You know, when I got married uh, 40, almost one years ago, ah, Kathy, uh, my dream girl, you know, I was just so thrilled for her that she was going to get to wait on me hand and foot the rest of her life, you know. I was so excited for her to get to do that. But she, you know, I, was, I rode into Montana on my great white steed and I scooped up that peasant girl and she was going to dream about serving me all her life. Well, I think that young lady had an opposite dream, didn't she? About that great prince, you know, waiting on her hand and foot. And so, you know, you got to learn after a few... I, I've got a, rock like, a head like a rock, you know, it took me a while, that my role... In life, as a husband, I know it. I know what the Bible says, but to really learn it, my role as a husband is to serve my wife, to serve her, to meet her needs, to, to, to make her want life wonderful. And so that's hard for us men, but that's what our role is as husbands. I, yes, wives, uh, you've got a similar role. You really, you know, you do. We've got to serve one another. We've got to be a blessing to those around us. That's what God's calling on us to be. Be a blessing to the person beside you. Uh, that's, that's what God wants us to do. Bring rescue, security, and peace. That's what Jesus Christ was about. Rescue, security, and peace for the people that he related to in his years of teaching and ministry. He was bringing rescue, security, and peace. He was doing for those people what he could do. Some of them he healed of physical ailments because he could. And some lame people walked, some deaf people heard, some dead people rose from the dead because he could do it. And he had such compassion and desire to bring rescue and security to people. He did what he could. And some of us can do amazing things. Some of you are doctors. Some of you may be lawyers. Some of you may be uh, uh, fi fi firefighters. I was going to say fire trucks. <laughs> I don't think any of you are fire trucks. Uh, you know, we have amazing roles, teachers and all kinds of things. You might be the guy that runs the garbage truck. I give my garbage truck driver a gift every Christmas. Because I, I, and I tell him, I said, probably nobody appreciates what you do here. Because it's such, people, that, oh, that's such a menial task. It's an important task. 
And, and people need to know they're appreciated and loved. And uh, we can do that as God's people. We can do that. We can bring rescue and security and peace to people around us. That's what God's calling on us to do. We've got so much, so many blessings. We've got so many skills. And God's saying, you are my children. You are my hands and my feet to reach out and bless. Where does it start? It starts in the home where we learn to love our spouses, where we learn to really cherish and nourish our children, where our children learn respect and honor from our parents. We are the ones that are showcasing that to our children. I will say to my shame that I didn't always show that to my children. And uh, thank God for his forgiveness, you know. Uh, as we grow and we learn and we reflect God's character more, we can do better. And that we're all on a journey to, to reflect God. We're all at a different place in that journey. But our journey is to really reflect God with our life, to be a blessing to people. God loves us so much. If we can comprehend really how much God loves us, I don't serve God because he's going to beat me up. I don't serve God because I might go to hell if I don't. I remember as a young person thinking, oh man, I don't want to go to hell. Who wants to go to hell? Who wants to go to a place where you're burning forever? You know, the description in the New Testament for us. I don't want it. I don't want that. Uh, and so, but that's not my motivation for serving God. Because I learned that God loves me so much, he died for me. I need to see Jesus. And I need to participate with Jesus in my daily life. To really see him and to know him. And that's what I'm challenging us to do today. To really learn to know Jesus better to be in his word, to be in prayer, to be growing like him. You know where you're at today. You know where you're at. And there's things about me and there's things about you that need to change. They'll only change if we really have a deep desire to be like Jesus. And we can be. God's given us the ability to be. He gave us his spirit so that we can become like him. And so take him with us every minute of every day and everywhere we go. Take Jesus, take God's spirit, and let him transform us. Because God loves us so much that Jesus doesn't walk beside us today. He walks inside of us by his spirit. He's here. He's here with us. And he can transform us if we will just yield to him and see the glory that we can experience living the life of Jesus. I forgot to ask if you generally do an invitation on Sunday mornings. Some churches do and some churches don't now. Uh, but we're going to sing a song. 
our brother's going to lead. And if you need to respond to the gospel call this morning, won't you come while we stand and sing together? In heavenly armor will enter the land. The battle belongs to the Lord. No weapon that's fashioned against us will stand. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing glory. Amen. Power and strength to the Lord. We sing glory. Like a flood, the battle belongs to the 